So I want to talk on leadership tonight. So the, the, leadership. Um, who did that announcement? With a subtitle left there. That's not very good. Very unprofessional. But um, leadership's not a subject that I, I talk a lot about. It's not something that I really find uh, inspires me all that much. But it is really, really important factor in our walk and our development with God. So um, I think leadership is something that we grow into and it changes in us. So one of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 12 verse 5 and uh, it just inspires me. It says if it is in the new, I think it's a New Living Translation, it says if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Now, I'll paraphrase that using my own words. If little stuff makes you sweat, how will you go with big stuff? That's basically what it means. If you're sweating because you've just got a little bit of responsibility, then what, what uh, we're seeing here, Jeremiah is saying, what will you do when the heavy stuff comes? What will you do when you've got to lift something heavy? So there will be times where you're called to greater responsibility as a, as a person, as a leader. Um, and, and a lot of the time you'll feel totally unprepared for that new responsibility. Um, don't let that stop you. Because sometimes we can be intimidated by circumstances, in, intimidated by our own lack of experience, and find ourselves just thinking, no, I won't do that. No, I think I better just back off. Or they want me to, to, to um, share my story in church. Oh, no, that's a little bit too far. Um, or they want me to pray for someone at the altar call. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. You know, there's all these little things along the way that, that we can um, cross our names off the list when God is saying, I've put that before you. Will you take that step? Um, God sees your future. God sees things that you can't see but they are there. So you need to start to, to consider what God sees is there because in God's view, it's there. We, if we can't see it, it doesn't matter. So in the, if I can take us back, let's all go back. Don't know what you were doing in the late 1980s, but let's all go back there. Lovely mullets, big mows. But in the late 80s, I was in Melbourne and I had a sense God was calling me to South Australia. And I can still remember where I was, and I spoke to my pastor. He came to my dad's fruit shop, and, and I mean, I didn't hang out there, but for some reason I was there at the same time as my pastor was there. And I said, and I remember in the back of the shop, there was like a house thing, a unit, and we're at the back. And I said, I, said, um, I really feel a, a sense that I should go to South Australia. And, uh, and, and he said words along the lines that there's nothing there for you in South Australia. What do you want to go there for? And... and uh, and now I can see, you know, that you, you're not committed and all these sorts of things and, and, and um, sort of gave me the word like that was a, a really, really silly idea. But you know something, here's the first key that you need to, to get a hold of tonight that will help you in your leadership is I submitted to his leadership over my life at that time, yet God fulfilled what he had spoken into my heart. But I submitted to what he told me at that time. Well, today there is a one-heart church in South Australia. There's a one-heart church in Elliston. There's a, the, um, there's a position as a regional leader in South Australia. And there's a place on the state executive in South Australia for me. But 
blessing comes when we submit to oversight in our life. So God will get you where he needs you, but honor your leaders in the process. Because it's, it is a, a, a big mistake. The person who doesn't submit to church governance that they can see won't submit to Jesus who they can't see either. So one of the, the big mistakes that we can, we can make is God sometimes puts little ideas, I would say, in our heart. Now, you won't see the clouds part and the scripture in the sky saying, you know, Romans 3.23 or whatever it is. You, you probably won't see that. If you do that, that's awesome. If you hear the voice of God, that's even better, but you probably won't. But in your daily time with God, you'll have moments or you'll just be pondering, maybe minding your own business, mowing the lawn, and suddenly you'll feel like, I just sense that God's wanting me to do something. Um, and and I, I, you know, it might seem totally crazy or totally out there, they're the little things, and, and when you submit that to your leader, then they might not have share the same enthusiasm. Now, there's a couple of reasons why that happens. It's usually because we're selfish. And leaders are selfish, and they'll be saying, well, does that mean you're going to leave me? You know, well, that's a stupid idea. What do you want to do that for? You can expect that. But you know something? When you, when you are able to spiritually be mature enough to say, I can submit myself to their leadership over my life, despite what you might think, oh, they're being a little bit selfish or they just want to hold me here or they're trying to wreck my future. When you can say, God, I hear what you're saying. Help me to be patient. The big key is patience in the process and God will get you where he wants you. So don't ever fall for the, for the mistake that, you, that, that some people think that someone's going to get in the way of God's call. Because if it's God's call, God will get you there. Is that making sense to you this morning or this night, whatever day we are? But there's blessing in submission to oversight. But I remember reading a story about uh, a strong man who set himself the challenge to carry a cow. Or I think what happened, he was doing a, a, a display of his strength. And someone said, you're so strong, you can carry a cow. And so he made this challenge. I don't know the guy's name, but he, he made himself a challenge that he would carry a cow. And he managed to do it. And when asked what was the secret to his strength, this is what he said. I have been lifting this cow every day here in the same spot, but at first people didn't care or even notice me because they thought lifting a little calf wasn't a big deal. But people always notice and remember great achievements, but don't notice or remember the persistent little steps in between. And I want you to be aware of persistent little steps and how much they mean to your call and future in God. If you want to achieve great things, the little steps are everything. So remember that. If you want to achieve great things, the little steps are everything. So you might be thinking, well, I've only got a little calf in front of me right now. I've only got a little step to take. But that can make the difference between lifting the weight of the whole cow when you develop your strength, preparing yourself. So start lifting a calf every day and see where God takes you. You know, start reading your Bible every day and see where God takes you. Start, I'm going to give you four disciplines in a minute. Um, start doing those things that I'm going to talk about and you'll see that the, the lid comes off your thinking to start with. The lid comes off your faith. The, the lid comes off your limitations and you start thinking, well, I'm doing things that, that are impossible. I can tell you when I, when I was 40 years old, I had people saying to me, in ministry, you know what, if God hasn't called you yet to, to pastor a church, then it's, 
Forget it. It's not going to happen, Rob. And you know something? I, I, I thought, well, you know what? If God's calling me to that, then he'll make a way. And then when I was 45, five years after I was wasted, God opened the door and, and we're here today. But the thing to learn from, from that story about the cow is strength will grow according to what you are prepared to carry. If you're not prepared to carry anything for God, then your strength is never going to grow. So carry something when it's small, and when it's big, everyone will notice. So we might see some of the departments that we've talked about here today thinking, well, that's just small, that doesn't really matter. But you know something? Lots of people will notice when you carry that little cow because one day it's going to be big. It can all start by being helpful in the most insignificant way or the most, um, you know, back, uh, backwards, out of the way thing. But being helpful, start by asking your leader. If you want to be helpful to your church and to your leader in any department that you're in, um, it's good to know what they need help with. See, most leaders, and, and most, a lot of you are leaders here today, you don't need more suggestions from people around you. More, well, why, why can't we have this? And why don't we do that? And, and we don't need more suggestions. They only usually mean another job for the leader. So with Jimmy as the music team, we don't need people to come to him and say, hey, we need, you know, giving him more suggestions. Why can't we have this? And why don't we do more practice? Uh, why, why don't we meet in the mornings? And why don't we do all these other things? They don't need more of that. But what they do need is, is people who can say, well, Jimmy, Beth, um, what can I do to help you? What can I do weekly that can make your job better? And that, that might mean... Um, photocopying music or, or downloading stuff. I mean, we don't photocopy down. We do, no, we don't do that. No, that's very uncool. That's wasting paper. That's wasting a, a resource. So we, we, we don't do that. We change the batteries in the microphones. We do other things. But suggestions usually don't help your leader. And sometimes you might sit down and discuss a situation and, and say, well, I've got an idea. Why don't we think of this and help fix problems? But it doesn't help you grow when all you're doing is saying, I've got all these ideas. I'm going to the, to the leader of that department telling we should have this and we should have that. And they're going, but I just need someone to fulfill the roster every week. That could be more helpful. So if you're, if you're having lots and lots of ideas, say, in the welcome team area, thinking we should have this and we could do that, but the welcome team's short every week, then the best thing you could do is say, you know something, I'm coming to church anyway. Why don't I just be on the welcome team every week and help my leader? That, that's lifting a cow. And, and you don't just, those things, those things don't go unnoticed by God. Because God is the one who notices those small lifts that might think, well, I'm just welcoming people. You know what? Jesus is, is seeing you welcome every person with genuine love, genuine uh, uh, excitement, and, and all those sorts of things, and saying, you know what? If you can welcome like that, then, then I'm going to open other opportunities for you. So four spiritual disciplines uh, that propel you beyond the normal. And I want you to propel beyond the normal. You don't need to be normal. <laughs> BJ's never been normal. But I want you, I want to see your department propel you beyond, I want to see your department, sorry, propel beyond normal. I want to see you propel beyond normal. So the first key you need, and um, this will be no surprise to any of you, the first thing you need to do 
The first discipline you need to develop is prayer. So to stay in the game long term, you must have a habit of prayer. Because there's a lot of people, and if we just thought right now of people, even in the last two or three years here in this church who have been leaders, who have been involved in, in some form of responsibility, who now barely come to church or, or you don't see a lot of or whatever, or just you know, stop doing responsibilities, we've got to stay in the game long term. We must have a habit of prayer. It's called a discipline. That's what I'm talking about, the four disciplines that will keep you long term. Um, when you learn how to use prayer, you'll be able to lift a lot more than you could ever imagine. Pray for that little calf you're lifting every week. Whatever responsibility it is, or BJ goes in the prison, pray for that little calf, BJ. Your calf might look like filling communion cups. Your calf might, might be, you know what, no one really looks after that little water jug out there, but I'm going to make sure that, that thing's topped up and full. That's a calf. Straightening chairs is a calf. Um, vacuuming and all, all, all manner of things. Uh, sharing communion is a calf. Whatever it is that, that, that is in front of you. Philippians 4 verse 6. So pray for those things. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. There's a whole mountain of keys just in those two sentences about how we should pray. Number one says, don't worry about anything. How much time do we spend worrying about this and that? Uh, how's this going to work? I can't see how we're going to get through this. It says, instead of worrying, pray. Tell God what you need. God, we need someone to fill this roster. God, we just need another two people on this team. Then you start bringing that to God. And it's not like, well, you know, I just prayed for it and that's it. And God didn't pull through. You've got to say, God, I'm going to keep pushing through. Because we're in a spiritual warfare and that's what prayer is. It's it's punching on with the devil, getting his, getting his claws out of people's backs and, and, and getting the spirit into people so they can see what they can do to build God's kingdom and God's house. Um, when God, uh, God gave the Israelites a promise that when things went bad, when things were in disaster, when there was no food or when there was no rain, that if they would pray, he would hear from heaven and respond. That's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. But many Christians suffer from PPD. That's prayer deficit disorder. It's a disorder you must correct if you want to be long-term in ministry. And you might think, well, I've been in ministry already a long time and I don't really pray that much. Well, it's a discipline you need to develop because when you least expect it, you'll get hit left, right and center. And if you haven't got this discipline right, then you won't know where to turn. You won't know how to fight spiritually. Prayer is a spiritual fight that you've got to learn to, to take control of. Prayer takes what you don't have, things that we can't do, and invites God into that picture. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. If Jesus did it, then you ought to do it. So I encourage people, I encourage you as leaders, that it doesn't matter what level you're at, because I started doing this when I was literally just straightening chairs and picking up papers, is I, I heard people preach like this, and so I started, I would, I would go and hire a caravan somewhere, and go and stay there for, for one or two nights, not, not weeks or anything, and just fast and pray and say, God, you know, I, I want to hear your voice. And I, I must admit, most of the time I think, well, God, I didn't hear anything. God, I didn't, didn't sense anything. But somewhere deep in those moments when I wasn't a leader, the Holy Spirit was getting into me. And, and that devotion that I showed, that, that, uh, that heartbeat I had to, to want to hear God, 
God saw and answered. But it, t- it took you know, a, a development in me for that to take place. So Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And I encourage people uh, to, to take that time and, and you know, really don't say, oh, well, I can't do my roster because I'm, I'm doing what Pastor Rob said. I'm off to pray. And it's, it just happens to be for the next three months on Sundays. Do it on a Friday night. Do it, do it some other time. But I can tell you, invest in your spiritual time. I know Pauline and myself, once we're going through uh, you know, a challenging time in ministry, and Pauline said, I just need to get away and I need to hear God. She went to Murray Bridge and hired a motel, cheap motel. <laughs> and, and there was turkeys in the backyard. She says, early in the morning, she's trying to just hear from us. She's blah, 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 blah. But it's investing in, in hearing God and getting close to him. So the second, the second thing you need is the word of God. Who's surprised by these? You need the word of God. And they're not in order anyway. They're just they're in random order. There's no one more important in, in specific order. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God. Who are we presenting ourselves to? Do your best to present yourself to Con. Gee, Con, look at me. I'm really important, aren't I? Gee, I really know the word compared to you. <laughs> I'm not being mean to Con. But do your best to present yourself to God. Oh, ma. As one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. See, the word of God, your Bible, is the word of truth over your life. It's the word of promise over your life. It's the word of your purpose. It's the word of your destiny. It's the word of your reason of living. It's in the word of God. Learn to handle that before God because he's the one who's going to look at you. He's the one who's going to measure you. So we, know, we can't say, well, I'm, I'm looking awesome against BJ. I'm looking awesome against Mariah because we're not measuring against that. We're measuring, uh, uh, presenting ourselves to God. And that's the one we need, to, we need to be approved by. So God operates through his word. So when you find a promise from God in his word, he will honor that. When you find a promise for yourself and you think, wow, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to believe for that. So you might be thinking, well, yeah, there's so many different promises in the Word of God. But you need to dig up a nugget every now and then and say, well, you know, my marriage doesn't look too good right now, but I'm going to hang on to this Word of God that, that, that is a promise. Maybe you're in business and that doesn't look great. You've got to say, well, God, your promise says this. Um, in, in your ministry, you might be thinking, well, it just seems like I'm doing a lot of work, but I can't see a lot of fruit. You just need to say, well, God, what's your word say I need to do? See, I find things in the word all the time, and I bring it to God. Your word says this. Because one thing we need to understand as leaders is God will honor his word. So when you, what, what, what faith comes from and where the power of our faith comes from is when we know what the word of God says and we say, that's what your word says, and that's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm standing on. Because God has to honor his word. And faith is when we say, God, I know that's what your word says. I believe that. I'm going to bring that in. So, so you know, for Jimmy and Beth, you've got to be praying. I'm picking on people. But you've got to be praying, God, we need whatever. We need this. We need that. And you've got to say, your word says in the, in the temple of God, there was, there was so many people in, in the worship team that there was, you know, we need a zither player and a harp player, and whatever else we need. And, and, and they sang loud, it says. I read that this morning. It says they worship loudly. 
So people who say that they don't like the loudness of your church, and you know what? They're ungodly. They're unbiblical. I read it this morning. It said, it said they sang loudly. So if it's good enough for the Old Testament, goodness sakes, it's good enough for us. So I find things in the Word all the time. And as a leader, your, your vision, your direction, your correction all come from the Word of God. Let the Word of God correct you. It's much nicer than when your wife does because that's embarrassing. But it's not something you want secondhand. You want the Word of God in your hand. You don't, you don't want to live by, by the pastor telling you, oh, hang on a minute, we better correct this. Hang on a minute, you, you're getting a bit slack. Hang on a minute, when you're on the roster, you need to be here on time. That, you, know, you don't want to be corrected by that. You've got to see through the Word of God what you do has significance. What you do has a reason. What you do has power. Because it's not just shaking hands. It's not just cleaning cleaning the church. It's all about preparing a place so that people can come into an encounter with God. That's why we do it all. It's for that purpose. So as, as a leader, your vision, your direction, your correction all come from the Word. Um, you have to go mining in the Word of God and you'll find treasures of all kinds. In the book of Job, it says that, that mankind has learned how to sink you know, deep um, shafts into the ground um, it's in Job somewhere, and it says, and they swing backwards and forth on their, on their ropes looking, uh, you know, shining light where, where the sun's never sh shine. That doesn't sound good today. But down in the earth, finding treasure. That's what the Word of God is like. It's an incredible treasure. And the problem with the many people who live with, with limited vision, limited perspective in their call of God is because they've never, ever found a single word for themselves. So my thing for now about prayer and the Word of God is, is if you've never done it before, and it can feel like, like eating dry chips, but just, just try one night where you get away somehow. You don't even have to go anywhere. It might be where the family's away or something like that, or you, you get some space on your own and say, okay, God, I'm unplugging the TV. I'm unplugging the computer. I'm closing all that stuff down, unless your Bible's on the computer. You, you, you closing all those other distractions down and saying, God, I'm going to pray, I'm going to wait for you, and I want you to just give me one word. And you know, open your Bible, start to have a, have a bit of a read and, and have a pen, pen and paper ready or your phone or whatever you take notes on and, and jot down what God tells you and he will speak to you. The third thing is you need the Holy Spirit. Something that's so easily missed today is the need to be energized in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. See, it's in and through the Holy Spirit that we, that we receive power, knowledge, faith, and wisdom to navigate our way through any obstacle. If you're on the business team, we need the, the Holy Spirit. So that, you know, in that context, we need people who, who have uh, skills financially, skills um, administratively, but we also need people who can see with vision in the Holy Spirit and say, well, I can believe for that. We can do this. We need, we need a balance in our life of both those things. But we receive the power and the knowledge and faith and wisdom through the Holy Spirit. And I think the Holy Spirit gives some people a gift of being able to do things administratively. It's a spiritual gift. We kind of think, well, that's like unspiritual ones. They can count numbers. So that, you know, they've got to just count numbers. But you know what? When you're able to, to count numbers with the, the 
spirit as well, then it takes you to a whole new level of, of um, excitement and, and purpose. In John 14, verse 26, about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I want One Heart Church to be a Holy Spirit church. For that to happen, we've got to have Holy Spirit leaders. We've got to develop our ability to function in the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, the, the, the issue we have in a church like this is we have people who come from all different uh, expressions, all different backgrounds, and, and we want to be inclusive and, 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 and plug people into to building His kingdom here. But we also, we do you a disservice if we're saying, well, you can ignore the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life for being to, able to operate in that power. So the spirit of prophecy is powerful when it, when it functions in the church. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, the operation of the Holy Spirit is powerful, but gentle. It's confronting, but caring. It's challenging, but comforting. The Holy Spirit is all those things. And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will come and, 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 and be like challenging us. But, with, but, but when it's just uh, uh, you know, some other kind of spirit, you'll feel challenged, but you'll feel condemned. Because you think, well, I'm feeling the challenge, but, but, but uh, I'm too scared. So, th so then that spirit will say, see, you're not good enough. That's how we can discern the difference between the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts and then just our own imaginations or other things. So it should be seen in how we pray. That is the Holy Spirit. It should, should be seen in how we preach. It should be seen in how we prophesy. So when you can't find an answer anywhere, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. When we feel isolated, where there's no, no one else who could understand or carry the burden with us, and sometimes in, in your ministry call, God will take you through times where you're standing there alone and the only person with you is the Holy Spirit. Where you think, my team's gone. My, my helpers are gone. But, um, uh, th there's no one else around me right now, but the Holy Spirit is going to be there to carry you. David went through that. David went through a time where it says his man wanted to stone him to death. That's pretty good, um, pretty good support group. But it says he found strength in the Lord. We think, well, what is that supposed to mean? I think he, he just got himself alone and said, Holy Spirit, I need you to, I need you to, to be with me right now. And, and he found strength. He found comfort in the Holy Spirit. He found comfort in God. So Romans 8 verse 26 and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we need to know this truth. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So we might be thinking, I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know how to reach this person. I don't know um, how to get myself out of this problem that I find myself in that I didn't even make, but I'm stuck. And when we, when we have the gift of speaking in tongues, that's a kind of Holy Spirit that we're talking about, we, we need to we speak in an unknown language that we don't understand, but it's speaking the, the, the target thing into your situation that breaks the spiritual stronghold, the spiritual bondage and the, the, the thing that's holding everything back. 
So I want to encourage you today. It's not something that I, I'm going to force people or push people or even um, you know, embarrass people with because it should never be something we, that we say to someone who isn't willing to say, well, we're we just going to push you through this and lock you in a room and we're going to have 10 mad people praying over you until you make a funny noise. We're not going to do that. But I want us to have genuine divine encounters with God where we're just so full of the Holy Ghost that literally we become intoxicated. That could mean lots of things for different people, but you just are euphoric with a sense of Jesus is, is right here with me. And I'm stepping into things and, and knowing things that I could just never know. It's an amazing place to be. I mean, the Holy Spirit is so powerful. I'll give you a moment where, and I have shared this before, where the Holy Spirit has spoke to me. I had a mother ring me when I was a youth pastor. She said, my son, he went to school, but he didn't get to school because he, he's not there. Somehow she sprung him, you know, when you try and wag school, but your mum finds out. It's one of them moments. And she says, well, and somehow she didn't like our church. She didn't like me as a youth pastor, but she's somehow blaming us because her son wasn't at school. So she rings me up and she says, well, my son's not at school. And, and she goes, she thinks that I know where he is. And I said, well, I've got no idea where he is. Uh, who were his friends? And she goes, well, I don't know. You know. She doesn't know. And so I got off the phone because she was really, she, she gave me a hard time because it was like my responsibility because her son wasn't at school. And I got off the phone annoyed, angry, thinking, how dare she? She's, she's just abused me. Uh, and I thought, well, God, what should I do? And I began to pray. I began to speak, pray in tongues, saying, God, you know, Help me to find where this kid is. And, and, and I, I, I didn't see the clouds open up or I didn't hear a voice, but I had a, a, an impression. Go down to the old Jacob's factory in Mount Barker and go down there. It was a ramshackle lot. It was sort of like the abattoirs here, but worse because there was nothing in it. It was just a junkyard of old wrecked buildings that you could just wander around in. And, and, and I felt this thing. Go down there and I drive down there as soon as I walk in, I see a kid walking through the car park, or what was left of the car park, and it's him with his school bag. So I drive right up next to him and say, hey, how you going? How come you're here? Shouldn't you be in school? Oh, yeah. Jump in the car. Have a talk. Took him home. Have a guess who, who's like, wow. But then she's like, yeah, you knew where he was all along. But the Holy Spirit wants to do those kind of things in our life all the time. So be open to the Holy Spirit. Don't believe everything that you've said because sometimes we've been lied to about the Holy Spirit. And the devil wants you to be alienated from that power, from that revelation, from that, from that um, energy. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not just those ambiguous things. It, he's a person and he's your comforter. He's your friend. He's your guide. He's, he's everything like that. The last thing, again, these aren't in order, is fasting. There are some things that come at you that you that only have an origin in Satan. That they're demonic in their origin. They're evil attacks that come upon you. So the call of God to ministry is a spiritual call and it will be challenged at a spiritual level at some point. The devil will use people around you to intimidate you out of your destiny. You'll do that all the time. Even people in church, people in your own family, brothers and sisters, mums and dads, cousins, people you've been close to, people you grew up with. The devil will use anybody who's close to you to talk you out of, to intimidate you out of your destiny in the call and the things of God. 
You can bet on it. The spirits that work in a church, and you'll even find people around you in church, especially if you're familiar with some people, they, they, the spirits can work through them, spirits of jealousy and envy. Pride is a big spirit that's at work in some churches. Intimidation, selfishness, uncooperative, um, hate and anger. That's a, really an extreme one. But anti-authority, um, control, people who want to control you can keep you out of your destiny and your purpose in, in your leadership. But evil spirits that seek to entangle and trap and frustrate the call of God on you will come at you. The funny part is you have to deal with them in you first. So you might be thinking, well, someone's trying to control me. You've got to think, well, am I trying to control someone else? We need to be brutally aware of those things in our own, in our own personality sometimes and think, well, you know what? I don't like it when others try to man manipulate and control me, but have I done that over here? And, and start to say, well, Holy Spirit, if that's a, a spiritual thing, Thing that has got hold of me, then will you take it off me? Will you, will you remove it out of my life? In Mark chapter 9, verse 29, this is Jesus speaking, and he said unto them, this kind, it's in the King James, this kind can, um, can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So consultation won't deal with a demon. Drugs won't deal with a demon. I heard of a situation recently and someone said that there's, there's a problem in, in this person's life. And they said, um, you know, that they've, they've tried every drug and they've, they've dosed, dosed this person up to the maximum levels. They've tried shock treatment. They've tried everything, but nothing changes and the doctors don't know what to do. And I said, I think you'll find that a spiritual situation can't be medicated. It can't be electrocuted out. Only prayer and fasting is going to deal with that situation. So consultation won't deal with a demon. Explanation won't deal with it. You know, sometimes there's, there's prickly people in church and they, they want, oh, well, you didn't explain it enough. You didn't, you didn't give me the full details. You didn't give me, the, you didn't give me the, 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 the material safety data sheets or anything else that we need. And so we think we need to explain everything more and more. That will fix it. That won't do it when we're dealing with a spirit, a spiritual problem. Offering peace won't do it. See, a demonic issue can only be dealt with in prayer and fasting on your knees. It's not about, hey, let's get that problem person. We'll, we'll, we'll take them away to a mountain cabin and we're going to fast and pray and lay hands on them, pour, uh, put them in a bath and pour oil all over them. I've heard of crazy stories. One, one person died in Victoria because they, they took him on a deliverance session and wrapped the house in, 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 in glad wrap and drowned the person in a bath with oil. And they died, and then it was on the news. Just thinking, what are these people doing? We don't, you, you, that's not how you deal with it. But but fasting has a powerful spiritual power. Fasting tells our tells our physical that we are spiritual. Because your physical body will war against your spiritual. Your physical body will say, no, don't do this. You need food. Um, you're hungry. Remember how hungry you are. But you've got to tell your your physical body that you are spiritual. Fasting allows us to tune into the Holy Spirit. Fasting is a discipline that defines our spiritual muscle. Not all of you are gifted with a physical frame like me. But fasting is a discipline that, that defines our spiritual muscle. It starts to bring out the spiritual strength that you have. Sometimes you have no choice but to fast to be able to secure a breakthrough. And, and 
I, I want to be in a fasting church. I want to have my leaders who know how to push through and fast and pray and see breakthroughs in their areas of ministry. Because there's some things that I, I can carry as a leader and there's, when you have responsibility in a department, no matter how insignificant or unspiritual your department may appear, it's spiritual and it's needing a leader who will say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour my spirit into this. And, and I'm talking fasting. If you're thinking, oh, I've never done that, well, just say, God, I'm going to set aside just one time where I'm not going to eat my normal meal, whatever meal that is, but don't say, oh, well, I got up late and I was in a hurry, so I missed breakfast. Oh, God, I'm fasting today. That's, doesn't, that's not what it is. It's you set aside. You think about it at the start of the week or the start of the month and say, I'm going to set aside this time. I'm going to put it in my calendar and I'm going to say, God, when I would normally have my breakfast, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to not eat and I want to talk to you. and Have your Bible and, your, and all that ready and then you start to say, God, this is the area of breakthrough that, that I, I can't get through. This is the area of blockage that is holding me back. I feel insecure. Uh, I, I, want to, I want you to help me deal with that, Lord. Or you're saying, you know, my department just doesn't seem to work. I can't keep anyone there. So, Lord, help me to see the spiritual things that need to change. And I want to target those things because sometimes there's just a spirit that says, this church is not going higher than this. Your department is never going to have more than one drummer. Your, you know, your, your kids' ministry is never going to have enough space. All those things, you just got to say, God, if these things are spiritual, then I'm going to go to war. I'm going to, I'm going to neglect my physical and go to battle in the spiritual and I'm going to see those things crumble around me. You're in for that. Sometimes you have no choice but to fast and be able to secure the breakthrough. So, um, have we got some music that we can do? Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. But we've got to surround people in our church. You've you got to surround people in your team with a positive confession and speak life over people. Because plenty of people get other things spoken over their life. You've had things spoken over your life. But this time of the year, I do weed spraying around where I live, around my house. And the thing about weed spraying for me anyway is it takes a while before you see any result. And if you look at where you sprayed the next day, there's no change. And I'm, I'm really fanatical about this. If you, if you look at it in a week, there, there seems to be no change. And it always leaves me thinking, did I use enough mix? I'm one of these people I never measure. I just like... And, 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 but then when I spray it around I look and I think I, I, I'm always thinking well I mustn't have mixed it right there's, there's not enough and it always leaves me thinking did I use the right mix but I can tell you give it 10 days and you'll see exactly where, where I've sprayed everything will be dead brown, wilted and dried within 10 days but after a day or a week you won't notice anything and I use that as an example of spiritual negativity. It's just one thing you need to be aware of. You often don't realize it's killing things around you. That could be, you know, your negativity can be killing things around you. You won't notice it in a day. You won't notice it in a week, but you'll find that in time, there'll be people who, who could have been a blessing and could have been really helping you. They're wilted, they're dried up, they're gone. And that could be you too if you allow negativity. You allow things that feed on your conspiracy theory. You, you allow things to speak into your world that causes you to mistrust and, and, and alienate yourself from, 
from the leaders in your life that God put there. The, the f- first fundamental, most important thing you need to recognize is you have a gift from God when you have a leader in your life. Now, they're, they're not there to, um, to manipulate, control, or harm you. They are there, put there by God to help guide you and correct you and deal with you, but in a good, proper way. So it's really important at times when the voices around you are poison that you know the Word, that you pray the Word, and you live in the Holy Spirit, and you have His inspiration, and we all need people to fuel our passion. And I want you to be that for someone. Because there's plenty of people who, who are just got enough poison in the mix to ruin your, your ministry, to ruin your leadership to ruin your potential. And, you know, perhaps you're here and you're part of a team. You need to start thinking, well, you know, I want to be the person like an armor bearer to my to my team leader. I want to be the person who they can rely on. I want to be the person who who is solid, who they can say, you know, can you, can you pray with me? Can you push through with me? And we're going to pray over e- each other in a minute. And I want us to prophesy and I want us to speak up ministry potential over, over other people here today. Maybe you've never never had opportunity to do that before. But as I said, I want us to be a Holy Spirit church. I want us to be a church that, that operates in, in the gifts of the Spirit. And if we never have opportunity in a, a, an environment like this, then sometimes those things sit dormant. We never get to use them. But everyone in this room needs to know that we have other people, other leaders who are with us in this, in this cause that we call the kingdom of God. So as I've said many times before, we're not the church, we're only part of the church. But so what I want us to do is maybe if we just all, you know, get uncomfortable. I know you're all comfortable and happy where you are. But if we could just maybe spread ourselves just around this area through here, um, where the seats are on, on the stage here. And we're going to have, we, we, it's really early, that's why we like to start these things early. I want you just to, to, while the music's playing quietly, to say, God, speak to me. Speak to me about my leadership. Speak to me about my future. Speak to me about things that, that I can do to enhance the ministry, the ministry you're involved in, the ministry of others around you that, that maybe you're serving. Maybe there's issues you think, God, I, I need a breakthrough. And you can start tonight activating some of those things that I spoke about and ask the Holy Spirit to help you in that area of breaking through, taking ground. Because at the end of all this, our mission is to see souls saved to take ground territory from the enemy, take people out of a, a hell separated from God to a heaven in God's presence. That's our mission. And all of us together in various ways in which we're involved help people find their way to God, find their way to Jesus. So if we can just do that, and um, I'm just going to, you know, some of the more experienced leaders, you might be able to start us off. But I want, I want to challenge you, encourage you to say, well, Lord, um, help me to hear your voice right now. I don't want to encourage someone. Don't be intimidated if, if 
now you feel the Spirit's telling you to encourage me, or encourage Pastor Pauline, or Jimmy, or Beth, or one of the other uh, leaders around here. But you just never know what God might put on you tonight to really make a difference. And maybe you just need someone who's just pray with you tonight. So be be honest and be vulnerable and say, uh, hey, I'm, I'm a little bit intimidated. I'm a little bit overwhelmed. You might be a leader, but it doesn't mean that you don't go through some of those those moments of intimidation or feeling overwhelmed or inadequate or, or ill-equipped or whatever. Just say to someone, if they come to you, say, look, yeah, this is, I'm being honest with you right now. Will, will you pray with me about this? And let their prayer encourage and motivate you and lift you because there's going to be something of the Spirit in those prayers. And I want us to then carry that experience that we have tonight into our everyday Sundays, into our everyday groups, wherever we meet, in other, in other places, in other ways. So tonight's step 101 in a journey of spiritual ministry that we can use any anytime, anywhere that we need to. So I just want to encourage you with that. So move out of where we are and, and come along here and then just give the Spirit some time to to minister through us and to us tonight.